guys, welcome to the second episode of Below the Bar. In this episode, expect to find out why men are struggling in the modern world, how the government could reintroduce national service, and what we think of Andrew Tate. Let's get into it. And we're back. Welcome back. Okay, this week we're covering a completely different topic to last week, so we're going to try and keep it fresh uh, and not cover off the same kind of thing, kind of things as every week. So this week we're going through the masculinity crisis, which is pretty pertinent at the moment. Pertinent, and it's also quite an amorphous subject. Yeah. So we may have our work cut out trying to keep a lid on things. That's okay. That is fine. So I think we should start off with a definition. Yeah. Or or lack of definition. Yeah. So we we obviously obviously doing research for this podcast. Neither of us have managed to find a concrete definition. Or one or one that we agree with. <clears throat> yeah. Well. Like, yeah. Concrete definition. And I don't think there is one, but that's no. good because we can riff off it. Yeah, exactly. So this is one I just found off Google. Hot <laughs> uh, off the press. The masculinity crisis refers to men losing a self. A, fucking hell. Try that again. The masculinity crisis refers to men losing a sense of self in relation to conventional gender roles. Yeah, so it's like basically men being lost in society. Yeah, right? effectively. So the, the traditional masculine role in society of being a father figure a provider and you know going and doing the the work and then coming back and providing for family and taking care of family he's almost getting lost in this in, in the modern world isn't it yeah so i think that's what it refers conventional to. gender roles out the window yeah it's all a bit of a free-for-all now yeah you can do what you like and a lot of men feel lost or without purpose as a result of that i think but fear not because we're here, so, you know, rest assured, the masculinity crisis is over. <laughs> Ultra qualified to talk about this topic, obviously. Two males, no female perspective. Yeah, we should, caveat, <laughs> we should caveat this by saying that no females were invited to share their opinion on this podcast. Uh, so make of that what you will. <laughs> that's not a reflection on anything else other than the fact that we're... <laughs> we don't know any females. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't fit the brand it's probably brothers right? yeah Isn't true it? mind you they can identify now so you never know right okay so before we get bogged down into the masculinity crisis uh, and the many rabbit holes that that will offer mm. let's get helmet of the week out yeah, of the way so our new tradition at the top end of the podcast is going to be helmet of the week so I'll let you go first right okay so I think we've both gone off piece a bit this week <laughs> as in they're not actually individual <laughs> there, there is no singular helmet yes so mine is more of a concept, okay. and I think yours is a brand. Yeah, mine is a brand. My issue this week is people that make running content purely, purely so they can brag effectively. Yeah, so like... It's, they, they do it under the guise of helping people. Making it elitist. But it's literally just so they can flex how many miles they've done this week. Yeah. These kind of people normally frequent TikTok, Instagram yeah. Reels... Kind of like low-key saying that they've run three marathons in a week. Yeah, you know that nonchalance of, oh, accidentally just like PB'd my, my 10K while I was doing a, a set of intervals for a marathon prep. It's like that, that nonchalance of just, you know, you didn't accidentally PB. You yeah. knew you were going to do it, right? Exactly. For it. So we've touched on this. This feeds into my issue with gatekeeping in the fitness industry <laughs> as well. And this idea that you know certain people hold all the keys to the doors. I don't like yeah. that. That's bollocks. And it's particularly pertinent within running. Yeah, it is. A, it's a strange industry, isn't it? It's quite running. clicky. Yeah, the running is. running community. And I feel like it can be not very inclusive. Exactly. Like if you're not doing a certain amount of miles a week, or you're not doing a certain pace, you know, you feel like 
or it's it's deemed that you're not even you don't even enter into the conversation. You're not even invited into the chat. Yeah. Right. You have to be doing like hundred k a week to even enter, to even qualify, which is bollocks, obviously, as we know. Yeah. So we we're new to this kind of longer distance running. Yeah. Market. Exactly. So, and this is what we're talking about. We're talking about endurance running, by the way. Yeah. So you're talking about people are quite clearly very experienced at long distance running. They're built for it. Mm. They're like a fucking bean pole. Yeah. And they're kind of. It's it's a hard one to kind of articulate, but it's just seeing is believing yeah I'm going to add to this this is nothing to do with my helmet of the week I'm going to add to this with the appropriation of the hybrid term mm. so this add, this plays in so a hybrid athlete in my view is someone who can lift a lot of weight run fast or far pretty yeah. much it innit like they, they that's a good definition expose, exposing themselves to endurance or aerobic stuff and strength stuff that should be it I've seen so many people call themselves hybrid athletes just because they do one gym session a week, but then majority run. Yeah, they do four sets of back squat at like 60 kilos. Yeah, well, not it? even that. I wish, I wish it was that. It's, <laughs> it's like they, they do their strength and conditioning for their running, and now all of a sudden they're a hybrid athlete. So they're doing like walking lunges with their body weight, and they're yeah. a hybrid athlete. So it's almost like they're doing like their plyometrics and their running mobility in a gym. Yeah, so that makes yeah. them a hybrid athlete. <laughs> exactly, you can just yeah. do it on the fucking pavement, you helmet. Yeah, trust. That's, so that's it. So... I'll add to Eddie's helmet of the week with that because I think it plays in nicely. Yeah, and stay tuned as well for more of this content because I feel it is it is on the rise. Yeah, I feel like and and my knowledge of it is just just coming up because obviously we're exposing ourselves to this echo chamber at the moment. So now now we're just we're in that algorithm, aren't we? So yeah, and we're coming we'll get, in, we're coming into marathon season, so it's going to bu- be yeah buckle higher. down because yeah. the these hats are going to come thick and fast. Exactly, or helmets. Um, right, well that's mine. Okay, so. I get straight into mine is again not an individual, it's a company. So Dove, you know the hand soap soap. Kind of <laughs> I love. Wait, can we just de- <laughs> can we just deconstruct this for a yeah. moment? Well, we, yeah. we basically started a podcast just slag people off if we don't like. <laughs> I know, because it's it's topical. And it, and it's constructive and, yeah, and telling yeah. them how they can be better. Right. Exactly. Anyway, anyway, back to the point. Dove. So they've called for better representation in Hollywood. For the fat suit category. What's okay. that? So, there's a category in Hollywood that celebrates the people who wear fat suits, right, in, yeah. in films. And they think that that ostracises the fact that they're not having actual fat people play those roles. So, the better representation just means they need to be more accurate with their casting. So, they need to f- cast fat people. So, essentially, in their attempt to be woke, yeah, what they've said is, they're forcing actors and actresses who want to play those roles to now not just wear a fat suit and be a healthy healthy weight or whatever, healthy rig. Now they've got to actually be four no. or five hundred pounds to to act, to make it accurate. Right, firstly, yeah. I hadn't heard of this. Yeah, okay. So what you're about to hear is my honest, raw response. <laughs> this is what we want. What I'm going to say secondly is, that's bothered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As you may have heard a lot of Eddie's <laughs> responses. Um, yeah, right. so... So it, let's take Fat Bastard from Austin Powers, yeah. for instance. That's Mike Myers wearing a fat suit. Yeah, played that, fantastically well. Played fantastically well. Would that be better or worse if it was played by an actual fat person? Doesn't matter. It's just irrelevant, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. He's not real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. His name is Fat Bastard. Well, also, <laughs> that's the whole point of being an actor. So you can play your hand at different roles and different... Yeah. Um, you know, have a bit of a range. So you can play... 
whatever it is you need to play and then you can actually go and put a fat suit on you can embody something else yeah but, I mean there are levels to this so like obviously blackface is wrong yeah obviously. we're not we're not suggesting that people do blackface yeah but was Heath Ledger not qualified to play the Joker because he didn't go to clown school yeah but this is the thing so this isn't the issue I think it's not it's, it's completely separate to anything like that, a blackface or anything anything like makeup driven because this is actually forcing people to be unhealthy if it was to push be pushed through if they had their way you know actors and actors, actors would wanting to go and do those roles would either have to you know go into the industry and stay fat like we were on about last week with the mukbang stuff yeah so they have to go into the industry play one of these roles and then they get cast for these roles so it becomes that little you know little spiral and they have to stay stay that weight because otherwise they're not going to get cast for anything yeah this is or bad. you have people who come into the industry and don't fit anywhere and then see that as like a niche and then they want to pack on, pack on, pack on those pounds to then get into that. Yeah, so whichever way you look at it, it's not good. No. Because you don't want to be that guy or girl that's typecast as the fat person in Hollywood. No. Because then that just encourages you to be... To stay that set. way, yeah. 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 So this is, I should say, this actually hasn't been pushed through, I don't think, by, I think it was the Oscars or some sort of um, awards show, but... You know, some of these companies, Dove have essentially jumped on the bandwagon of of a work mm. sort of movement that was saying this. They tweeted it this week. See, this is <clears throat> this is quite a broad issue, I think, because a lot of companies do this now. They come yeah, out yeah. with these outlandish statements about inclusivity yeah. and diversity, and at face value, they sound great. Yeah. But then, if you unpack it, they're actually basically encouraging people to be fat. Yeah. Which yeah. isn't what we want. Exactly, and it happens with a lot of brands, even sort of fitness brands you know like Gymshark had a, had a little thing with it a few years ago if you remember where they were trying to make their models a little bit more body positive which I'm all for but there's a, there's a limit to it right yeah so, it's a tightrope isn't yeah. it exactly but anyway that's mine that's interesting yeah. I didn't know that yeah. there you go two helmets there for yep. you happy days same again next week right let's get stuck in okay masculinity the masculinity crisis I'll be honest of the podcasts that we've done so far this has caused me the most internal strife. <laughs> yeah, it's been the biggest headache for me as well to prep for. I think because it's not essentially a specialist subject for either of us, right? So obesity last week, we both kind of experienced in that kind of realm. Yeah. The other stuff about the Marines, much easier for me to talk about. So yeah, it feels like I've had to prep for um, like a completely different thing that I wasn't really fanned up on before. So another, another caveat that I should add, well, before we get into into, yeah. the, into yeah. the dregs of the 20 conversation. 20 minutes yeah. <laughs> My research for this podcast was basically this book yeah. called Of Boys and Men, Why the Modern Male is Struggling, Why It Matters and What to Do About It. Mm-hmm. Good read. Mm-hmm. Suggest that to anyone. Most of the stats that you will hear in this podcast from have been that. lifted from this book. Cool. So if you've got any issues with it, Take, take it up with, take take it up with your author, author, not me. There you go. Yeah. Don't shoot the messenger. That's what I was trying to say. <laughs> yeah. I've got no skin in the game. <laughs> uh, you've listened to quite a few podcasts. Yeah, I'm fairly interested in the subjects anyway. So, you know, listening to people like Jordan Peterson and Chris Williamson, who have kind of popularised it a little bit in, mm. in recent times. Certainly, when when they've had interviews together, have been talking about these kind of topics. Um, and there was actually a podcast this or last week that came out on Modern Wisdom with Mike Thurston. And Mike Thurston does a bit about that now, about masculinity and that sort of yeah. stuff. So it obviously nat- naturally went on to that. See, I've just got a vested interest in it. It's, quite it's all the rage, lad. That's why we're jumping. Yeah. No, I'm yeah. joking. It's we're like Dove. We're jumping on the bandwagon. <laughs> yeah, but it, 
So, there are a few indicators that I've pulled out of that book yeah. that kind of demonstrate the masculinity crisis okay. that I think we should go through yeah. before we get into any potential solutions or consequences. Let's go for it. So the first one is the fact that in the US and the UK, and I'm not sure about the rest of the kind of Western developed world, mm-hmm. but girls now are outperforming boys in education. in education. I've heard this, yeah. So historically, education was obviously very patriarchal. So men outperformed girls. I mean, like, I don't, when when did girls start going to school in the UK? I thought I don't actually think it was that long ago. You know, in the in the grand scheme. Yeah. Of anyway, historically, I think it was like mid nineties, edu- maybe early nineties. Education very patriarchal. Since the nineteen seventies, though, legislation has actually reversed this trend. Mm-hmm. So in the nineteen seventies, we realised that kind of females massively underrepresented in school and higher education. Yeah. Put loads of legislation through. Yeah. Which has now actually reversed the trend. So now females are outperforming men. Yes. Males, which could be an issue if it's sort of you know blown out of in into the future but i don't think at well, face value that sounds like an issue so at the moment there's the scales have just tipped in favor of girls mm. but i think people are worried that if they go if it goes unaddressed then we get to a point where it used to be with yeah the other way around the other way around yeah, so it gets the same it gets to the same same amount of separation so in the US, 57% of bachelor degrees are now awarded to women. Yeah. Women now receive the majority of law degrees, which is up from 1 in 20 in 1970. Right. Okay. So if you think how that far yeah, that's yeah, coming. 5% in 5 decades. The majority is, is huge. So that's mental. In the UK, 58% of bachelor degrees now awarded to women, so very similar levels yeah. to the US. Yeah. Uh, 40% of teenage girls go to college in the UK compared to only 29% of boys right okay that's that's a stark statistic yeah the, so that's not just high, that's not just university that's just college in general that's basically that's just anything that's, else for school that's right, post GCSE yeah so that's an issue I think the thing about um, the females not getting or getting more bachelor degrees than, than men is just that they're essentially then more desirable to the workplace and if you you know if you farm that out into the next ten years of someone's life, how easy it is for them to find employment and therefore to find purpose and structure in their life just becomes more and more difficult. You know if if that continues like you were saying, if that that separation was to continue from fifty seven percent fifty eight percent to like seventy or eighty twenty, if it keeps on going, then we just end up with a society of lots of overqualified females and underqualified males, which means that any um, industry that's academic like teaching or law law or medicine all of those kind of really important things in, in society are now dominated by women while again on issue on face value I'd say leaves a big gap for males the, th- the thing is, I think what we have to establish here is that we're not trying to say that we should reverse the gains that women have made in education. No, of course not. It's not a zero-sum game. Yeah. You don't have one winner and loser. Like we want them both to be winning. Yeah. So and it's not. It's not it a case. Should of, really be fifty-fifty. If you, you know, in an yeah, ideal world. Yeah, it's not a case of taking our foot off the gas with females now. Yeah. It's a case of right. We've got it right. Let's we've, ramp it up for both. Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. Let's mirror it. Exactly. Right. Okay. So that's education. This is in the workplace now. So there's been a structural shift in. Western economies in the mm. past 50 years, hasn't there? Yeah. Thanks to automation, technology, 
Yeah, well, loads of factors. Internet. Globalisation. Yeah. And on a whole, that has shafted men more than women. Okay. If you think about traditional kind of manual jobs, yeah. labour-intense jobs... Well, they're going to get replaced first, aren't e- they, by exactly. automation. So this isn't necessarily a case of lots of legislation helping women out. This is just a case of kind of men being shafted by yeah, and globalisation. It's obviously not a, on purpose, and it, you know, anything like that, but it's, or intentional, but it's... It's probably just the fact that, like you were saying, men would lend themselves to laboursome yeah. jobs. The first and easiest things to replace with automation is a laboursome job. So it, that's what gets replaced and therefore men get replaced. So I haven't got any statistics for the UK, but for the US, male labour force participation has dropped 7% over the last 50 years. Okay. From 96% participation to 89% now. Right. So I think that means that of males in the US that could be working only 89% of them are basically which is a drop from 96% Uh, but the issue here right I think I think this this is part of the reason why people are struggling to accept the masculinity crisis as an issue Mm. is that the top earners in the world are still men very true so there is a very small substrata of hyper successful, high performing, high performing rich men, yeah, and to a larger extent, they still control the world. Well, they outnumber women in that in that bracket. Exactly. You know, so, like the most, so the CEOs of Fortune five hundred companies are majority men. Hundred percent. But there's m- so many factors that go into that. It's not just prejudice, and prejudice is maybe one of the things, but it's probably a part of like a. One in twenty of, of, of factors in terms of that determine who's at the top of those those businesses. And I'm not saying that all people do this, but I would say that of the resources that I've come across, people that are kind of anti masculinity crisis or yeah. who, are, who are refusing to engage in the right. debate are on the other side. Normally, draw on this example as a reason why we shouldn't be taking it seriously. Yeah, all the top earners are still men, but that how that many kind men, of that masks out. That, yeah, how many men does that that apply to? There's still a very, very, very minute amount of men that are in that position. Yeah, it's not like you know, like, oh my man, so that just predisposes me to be a CEO. So this is like the top naught point naught naught one percent of the world. Yeah, I think what we have to we have to park that and accept that yes, that is the case. But the, for the average man now, you know, they haven't got it so good. No, well, exactly, because I think this leads into another thing with social media. If you're talking about women trying to find a partner, yeah, right. So because now there's social media and they can now reach out to anyone and they can make themselves known to anyone, they can almost shoot upwards a little bit more than they they maybe could before. And so the average man who's now maybe working like a normal job has a normal car, all this sort of stuff is now not desirable because they've got access and, and kind of can see these other men who are like, you know, they can get access to footballers or they can get access to people who have really, really large status. Yeah. Rather than before, before there was so much connectivity in the world, they would have have to have access to the bloke who worked in Starbucks and earned 25 yeah, grand yeah. a year, do you know? But now he hasn't got a fucking chance because, yeah. because they, they're now looking at him like, well... You're not driving a fucking Lamborghini, so I don't want to know. What's that stat that you used to pull out? I think you got it from Chris Williamson, where it's like 
the bottom 80% of women now fight over like the top 20% of blokes. Yeah, yeah. Is that yeah. it? And then it switches and so that obviously only that obviously leaves a huge amount of blokes un yeah um, unmated uh, and then the rest of the women are fighting over them and then it kind of yeah. it all goes to shit. But um, I've got a statistic about, Go on. about this. It's not the, the direct one for, that you were on about, but it's similar. So it's from Tinder uh, match rates. So obviously they've, they've vetted male and female Tinder match rates. Yeah. So out of a thousand swipes, a female profile would get 70% match rate, which is quite high. Yeah. The equivalent male profile would get 27% matches. Wow. So that's a huge disparity, yeah. a huge difference. So you, you imagine um, the ease at which women will go through and just be swiping right and then hit the hit the match and hit the match. And even for like an ego boost, that's a huge thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're a bloke and only, what is that, one in four? No, not even that. So yeah, 27% is um, is not high and you, you're going to be swiping thinking, fuck you know, I thought I thought she was below me, and then I'm going. Yeah. Yeah, fuck, fuck. Then you keep getting rejected by people. You think this should not be happening. So that that again probably wouldn't happen in the real dating world. You know, like if you were to go to a bar or whatever and chat people up, you probably wouldn't have that that failure rate. If you were to try, if you were to go to a bar and try and pick women up, right? He's talking from experience. This is man. not. Experience. <laughs> <laughs> um, there is no way. Well, most people wouldn't have. A one in like a one in four success rate. You not only no. go up to four people and have one person even give you the time of day, which is what a match is. So it's a lot easier to reject people on the internet. Though, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. So it, people's true true colours emerge. Uh, and there's a caveat from this as well. So there's a, another drop down. Have <laughs> another caveat. Now, <laughs> is that the yeah. third or the fourth? Yeah. <laughs> there's another drop down from this. So in the last year, the number of men reporting no sex within the last twelve months. Yeah has tripled from eight to twenty eight percent. So now um it used to be so twelve months ago, eight percent of blokes reported no sex within the last twelve months and that's now tripled to twenty eight percent. I'm glad you've said that. Right. Knocks on the version. <laughs> 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 Made me feel better. <laughs> right, because that, that feeds into what I was then gonna say about the change in position of fathers. Okay. So You've just basically said there that the dating game for men is going down, down the swanee. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. This is also backed up in birth rates. Okay. So today, 40% of births take place outside of marriage, up from 11% in 1970. It's huge. So 11% of births in 19... Yeah, yeah, mental. And, well, the guy in that book seems to think that it's because women now feel that they don't need a father figure... Right. Okay. To raise children, you know, they can yeah, do they can yeah. do the role of kind of mother and father. Well, and they can to a point. I think it just no. They, uh, he's not. It, he wasn't criticising it. He was just saying. Just I think like that that is now just a kind of accepted norm. I think it does leave a gap though in that child's upbringing, though, doesn't it? You know, if you to again project it out into the future of, you know, the formative years of that yeah, child's 100, life. Yeah, hundred percent. I think like this dad deficit. You know, <laughs> dad have deficit is like. like I mean, you can raise kids without a father, but at the same time, like they need a paternal figure. Yeah. Be it a teacher or an actual dad, or you yeah. know, like a grandfather, stepdad, or whatever. Whatever. Yeah, it particularly might be. if you're raising boys. Yeah. Because what else? What other frame of reference have they got to go on? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you don't have any 
traditional or, or old school values to instill into you, depending on the mother and you know what they what their kind of proclivity is towards. So they're the indicators mm. that are pointing to this general kind of confusion around what it means to be a male yeah. in twenty twenty three. Let's well go on. And by the way, I think women are almost having an equally bad time of it. You know, yeah, in, yeah, yeah. In, in the in the in the grand scheme of things and in, in the dating market, the statistics seem to show that yes, they get seventy percent match rates. However, those that click through for a date, the trickle through for a sale, if you will, if you can bring it into a marketing perspective, is very minimal. So yeah. they're, they're, while they're experiencing more joy on the front end, the, the trickle down effect still isn't painting them in a good light. So yeah. we should establish that women are having a crap time as well. Yeah. But there's still, a, you know. <laughs> Can't stress this enough. We're not misogyny. <laughs> <laughs> the whole point of this podcast is not to shit on women. We've just noticed, you know, and had kind of informal conversations, yeah. you know, through podcasts and reading you know this is this is an issue yeah it would make an interesting topic to yeah, talk exactly. about exactly right okay so i, I want to talk about political failure now okay. as always <laughs> shock <laughs> <laughs> he's banging the politics drum again so i think both political left and right are failing to acknowledge and address this yeah i agree i haven't heard any outside of kind of informal media you know like podcasting and and social media I haven't heard any of the mainstream media really talking about this. Piers Morgan. But for, for exactly the point that we've risen, I think it's a very divisive issue. Yeah, it is, yeah. And as soon as you mention the masculinity crisis, people think you're a misogynist. Yeah. That you're trying, to, you're trying to put women down, and that's not the case. No, it's just pointing out that men are having a shit time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Know, which, which is backed up by a ton of statistics, yeah. which, which we're going to get into. So again, I'm generalising here, but these are the kind of, these are the, my opinions anyway. Yeah. So the political left tend to pathologise naturally occurring aspects of masculine identity. I agree, yeah. So anyone that kind of demonstrates any type of, I don't know, what traditional masculinity, traditional like, masculinity yeah. is pathologised, they've got an issue, yeah. they need help, yeah. they need sterilising. <laughs> yeah. you know, these are extreme... Let's push them down, push them to the side, you know, yeah, they yeah. need that. It's too alpha, it's too out and, there. And this is where... Too aggressive. Uh, this is where our friend... The word toxic masculinity comes into okay, things. Okay, here we go. Yeah. They've, they've been tarnished with the toxic masculinity <laughs> yeah. brush. Yeah. And, uh, granted, there is a lot of toxic masculinity in society. Of course, there is. Yeah, it's, it's still it is, it is a thing, but I think it's been multiplied out into something that. Yeah, if you just tarnish everything as, you know, toxic, yeah. Yeah. then you're not really you're not really you're not being constructive to well, the you debate, just, are you? You're just not addressing any any of no. the issues, are you? Right. Okay. So that's the political left. The political right do acknowledge the masculinity crisis. They see it as an issue, but they overemphasise the importance of biological sex differences. So they go too far too the other far, way. Well, uh, too far right. Yeah, on, literally. On the, on the, yeah. On the blokes should be blokes. Yeah. Let's go back to the 1950s when yeah. your dad went down the coal mine, your mum stayed at home. So there's not you... too much in this centre. Exactly. Yeah. That's where on. we come into yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you've either got too far left where they're afraid to talk about it and it's not an issue until you know until it rears its ugly head in the form of whatever, or too far right in that pe- they just want people to go back to their original gender roles, traditional gender exactly. roles, uh, and just you know not experience any of the ma- males not not show any emotion or not talk about any emotions, which is obviously problematic, and females just 
go back to the kitchen like you were yeah. saying. That's bollocks. Yeah. That's not feasible in the modern world, no. and we wouldn't want that. Exactly. So what we need to do is we need to acknowledge that there's an issue. And it's not productive. But yeah, but find a workable solution for the modern day. Yes. Agreed. Which is what we're here for. Which is what we're here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Harvard, if you've got any scholarships going, I am open to offers. Yeah. Right, okay. So the consequences of the masculinity crisis, where's it leaving men? Yeah. I have a few thoughts on this. Yes. I, well, I have a pretty stark statistic um, about suicide, which I'll, I'll get into. Oh, okay. yeah. So male suicide is higher than female suicide in pretty much every single country that I looked at. So there's um, a table online you can go and view, which I might put up actually on the edit, <laughs> is um, is countries and then they're ranked by... Death. N- well, yeah, ranked by, <laughs> ranked by numbers of suicide per 100,000 and it goes male, female. It goes total male, female. So it's every single country has mm-hmm. like 5x male to female. Yeah. So in Britain, it's something like 10.6 males per 100,000 compared to... I think it's 3.5 females so that's a yeah, huge that's disparity roughly, roughly what I've got as well yeah and, and so that is a massive thing and that's consistent throughout all the yeah. nations I looked at and then um, just a little statistic here which is pretty crazy and worrying I guess suicide is the biggest killer of men under the age of 30 uh, and the biggest killer of men under the age of 50 <laughs> so um, that's two two age demographics that are in the workplace, in the work environment, and suicide's their biggest killer. It's also the leading cause of death for boys in the age brackets from 10 to 19. Yeah, that's, that's scary. That's scary, not good, because that's young men. Yeah, well, that's not even young men. 10 to 19? Yeah, well, that's, that's kids. That's insane. So, I mean, the, to, for it to be the leading cause of death in those people is insane. Yeah, so, so this feeds into mental health issues. Mm. And this is so. I'm. I've got a working theory. Yeah. At the moment, that there is a spectrum of kind of disillusionment that that men feel yes. towards their yeah. lack of lack of purpose in society. And at the one end, you've got kind of mental health issues, depression, suicide. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's kind of that's the flight response. Yes. That's the kind of unplugging yourself from the matrix and just kind of detaching yourself. Yeah. And then at the other end, we've got the fight response, which is misogyny. Yeah, yeah. Which is, right, I'm being shafted, women to women are to blame. Women are to blame. And it's looking for someone to blame that I think yeah, is the issue. Yeah, this is there, the issue. It? Right, we'll get on to that anyway. Yeah. Let's talk a bit more about depression and suicide. Did you know that females are more likely to be diagnosed as depressed and to attempt suicide? Yes. So this is, uh, this is something I was actually going to touch on. We need to dig deeper into this. Yeah, so I think females experience more negative emotion than males. However, as we've just said, males have significantly higher suicide rates. And from what I've read and what I've heard, this is because males use more lethal means. Yes. Yeah, so if you, one of the masculine traits, if you like, is aggressiveness um, and kind of being aggressive. And, and to that point, I think when they're making the decision to take their own life then they choose more um, deadly means and that's why while women attempt it more often men are more quote unquote successful with it yeah so in t- well in talk about uh, depression I read that women are more likely to talk about 
their mental health issues, yes. so are therefore more likely to be diagnosed as depressed. Yeah. Whereas men will just suffer in silence. Interesting, yeah. I'd say that's accurate. Yeah, and then in relation to the actual intent behind suicide, like you said, this is particularly the case in the US as well because the majority of male, uh, the majority of gun owners are male. Right. Yeah, that's a separate issue anyway, isn't it? That is a having, separate issue. Having access to something that... Yeah, but it, it, it feeds into what you're saying about more lethal means. Mm. I think, statistically, women are more likely to try and overdose. Yeah. Um, which obviously can, like... Well, it's not, not exact science. It's, it? Yeah, exactly, <laughs> like, yeah. Like, like a, you can throw it up or, yeah. you know, someone can get to you in time or whatever. Yeah, exactly. A gun doesn't work like that, unfortunately. Uh, so that's... And obviously these are extremes, like you don't have to, you know, people don't necessarily become depressed and suicidal. No, but, no, you don't. But there, I feel like there is a lot of men that are just kind of given up. Yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Yeah, this um, isn't necessarily because they feel like, you know... They're lost or... They're lost or like the, the, the male doesn't have a... You know, not everyone's pondering deep philosophical questions, <laughs> no, are they? No, maybe that's part of the issue, but... Um, you know, I don't think people stop and think about these kind of issues enough, maybe, and, and they just kind of plod through life, um, okay. just taking one day at a time and almost not even thinking about what's happening. And then it snowballs and snowballs, and then it just becomes the becomes an issue, and it becomes depression, or it manifests as suicidal ideation, or whatever it is. Because I think people are too happy to just... Yeah, to just like mosey through life, not not being self aware enough about yeah. these things. To, yeah, I guess that. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of it like that. To be fair, but it's almost like the fact that they can't pinpoint it to a certain aspect or thing mm. almost makes it worse. Yeah, because you can't then address it. You know, it's almost like when you're ill. You know, when you have like a physical yeah, okay, pain yeah, or something, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you're not quite sure what it is. So just because you can't diagnose it properly. It almost makes it worse. Yeah, well, because you can't then go and do something about it. You can't. Yeah. Well, make, if you go take to, actions to then you go to the GP and they say, "Oh, it's such and such. Here's some antibiotics." You you almost feel better immediately. Well, in that that placebo effect, you will feel better, even if it, even if they've misdiagnosed you. This has been studied as well. If they've misdiagnosed you and given you the wrong fucking antibiotics, you'll still feel better because yeah. you've been seen <laughs> by a medical professional. Yeah, and that happens with um, you know, with people going to therapy and then having antidepressants yeah, yeah. Ha- the same thing happens it doesn't work in the long run obviously because it's not a physical thing it's a psychological thing so it just raises all the head again but when they get issued those antidepressants a lot of people report feeling better even though they've been shown actually scientifically to not actually do do a lot yeah it's interesting anyway that's depression and suicide that's that was a bit bleak <laughs> <laughs> time now to get equally bleak <laughs> in the manosphere. Okay. Do you know what the manosphere is? So, from what I understand, it's um, people like Andrew Tate and you know that kind of red pill. Yeah, this it's kind point. of like a misogynistic echo chamber. Yeah, yeah, and th- th- we've mentioned this in a podcast. I don't know what we're talking about, but it's similar, and I think social media has a massive part to play here because if you expose yourself to certain part, certain style of content. Yeah, that's what you're gonna see, and then you're gonna see more of that, and then you're gonna see more of that type of thing, and then it's just gonna feed into this echo chamber. I'll be honest. I think researching for this podcast, we've inadvertently fallen into the manosphere. Yeah, probably because I've that's what's I've, out there. I've come across a lot of Andrew Tate, 
Donald Trump content. Yes. Like my algorithm now feeds me that yeah. because it thinks I want it. And for some reason, and it happens with Andrew Tate content more than anything else. I think it's because so many accounts are, are posting it and repurposing it and reposting it. But I thought Andrew Tate himself got deplatformed. He did. So th- these are all basically just fanboy accounts, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, these are all just his whatever fans. And, and be- it's because it gets loads of views. If you put something, a video of Andrew Tate up and a quote that he said that's tr- controversial, that is going to go really well for your algorithm. You're going to get yeah. tons of views and therefore tons of, um, you know, ego from that. You're going to feel though. good it's from like that. It's like a cult. It is, massively. Um, and he's actually just been released this week, so this is quite topical now. Yeah. Um, do you want to do you want to cover who he is for anyone? If lives, anyone doesn't for, know, for anyone that lives under a rock, I don't know how you wouldn't know, but yeah, yeah. So he's kickboxing champion turned sex trafficking influencer. That's how I summarised him. <laughs> I'm sure he'd be happy with that. Uh, as of December twenty two, December twenty twenty two, he's been detained in Romania on suspicion of rape, sex trafficking, and organised crime. He's yeah. now under house arrest. Yeah, he's just been released from that um, sentencing, hasn't he? He's now under house arrest. He's a weird guy, though. Pending release, because he, I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't get bogged down into Romanian legal system. No, you don't want to do that. His rise to notoriety began when he went on all these... Big Brother, right? Yeah, he went on Big Brother. He yeah. went on a few more game shows, I think. I think he was chasing fame a lot. I think it, that was what part of it. This is where my issue with Andrew Tate begins. <laughs> and it goes on a long yeah, yeah. way, but this is where it starts because yeah. he's got to a platform now where he can reach a lot of people and a lot of people define him as being successful. Yeah. But like at one point he was that guy that was clambering for fame. Yeah. And that, yeah. that is the person that he now shits on as yeah. as being kind of unmasculine. Brokey or whatever he's yeah. um and yeah, and, and he was that So he's a hypocrite chasing, effectively. He was chasing status. <laughs> The 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 the, uh, the band. Ch- he was chasing. He was chasing status, and he was he was chasing kind of DMB. He was chasing, I guess, recognition from his peers, men, women, whoever. And he was he was um, he was successful in that, I, I guess. But does this come from a position of insecurity? Absolutely, hundred percent. Yeah, I think though, you could probably vet a thousand quote-unquote successful people and I reckon about 80% of them are dragged through by insecurity. Yeah. I think if you listen to Stephen Bartlett's podcast enough, which I definitely do, he obviously has some of the most successful people in their field on that podcast and what it kind of boils down to that the why they're so successful is they're dragged through by this insecurity to be, whether it be <clears throat> like they were ignored as a kid by their dad or whatever it is, and it, now it manifests that they've got to work, work, work to get recognition from whoever because it's this kind of insecurity thing. True. So I think it's consistent across a lot of high performers. Firstly, I just want to say, in no way am I trying to suggest that Andrew Tate is successful. Yeah, true. He's literally a sex trafficking rapist. True. Like, his monetarily is successful. Secondly, I'm sure Stephen Bartlett really appreciates the comparison. That's, that's there. Fine. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. He'll be on. He'll no, be on his show now. No, I know what you're trying to say though. It's almost like he's faked it until he made it. Yeah. He is the guy that he now takes the piss out of in all of his viral content. Yeah. You know, he's the brokey, as well, you said. He was, yeah. Um, and now somehow he's come out the other end of it. But it would be far too nuanced of him to say, oh, "I used to be that guy." He's yeah, now. This is, he, the, this is the issue. He's it? he's now like 
judge, jury, and executioner, isn't he? Yeah. He, like, he decides the narrative. But which... Yeah, he absolutely does because he's got so much market share over the um, Manosphere. But he, because he's trying to go viral, he has to pick out the most controversial, out of context clips and put them forward as his point of view. It's weird as well because he kind of says that he's the saviour of these kind of like insecure men, mm. but he's also exploiting them for monetary gains. Yeah, that's you know, true. with his Hustler University. Yeah, that's fucking mad. So he's it? like, "I'll help you if you buy into this pyramid scheme." Yeah, because that because that's what it is. Yeah. But yeah. what he's actually doing is he's making them more insecure and because more he's broke. he's taking <laughs> he's taking their money, which yeah. makes them more broke, and he's not giving them any fucking answers. No, I don't get understand that. And have you heard of the? Um, commission scheme that he's got going I think it's something like if you get um, 50 people into the Hustlers University you get a certain amount of yeah, it's a pyramid scheme yeah, it's just all based on commission well. so what happens is exactly like you said a pyramid scheme is one person gets in they want this bonus and so then they have to try and get 50 other people in they want this bonus then it just becomes massive and it just grows and grows and grows and grows so HS Tiki Tok has been doing this as well yeah. he's like Andrew yeah. Tate Light yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah. the protege Andrew, Andrew Tate. Tate yeah literally <laughs> so he's he's basically been exposed a lot as well for yeah. the pyramid scheme that he's running because it's kind he's of he's doing trading isn't he it's fucking weird. wasn't Andrew Tate's all about trading as well though or was, I don't know it was just how to make side <laughs> hustles I think I don't know <laughs> let's be honest he was throwing a lot of shit at the wall. <laughs> yeah. Trading, was probably a lot of a tra- lot of crap. Trading probably comes into it. Yeah, well, it comes into most things that are... That are um... But we think we need to talk about trading. Yeah, because need to cover that. I that seems to only have emerged in the last few years. I think this is one of the weirder symptoms of the masculinity yeah, crisis. This kind of pseudo pseudo knowledge around trading yeah people talk about trading like it's a learnt profession like it's a fine art it's fucking well. smoke and mirrors yeah, exactly. it's bollocks it's absolute bollocks it's, if you've seen um, Wolf of Wall Street you'll know that yeah like they're just guessing and just it's, it's, it's basically you're a salesman you're, you're a charlatan salesman because <laughs> well, you're just a charlatan yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you're selling to whoever it is buying the stocks or whatever I don't know how it fucking works but you're selling to whoever it is buying the stocks that this stock's gonna go up even though you have no fucking idea whether it's going to go up, down, or wherever. Yeah. So, that but, I mean, that's on the proper side of trading as well, on, on Wall Street. This is like a, a dumbed-down... Crypto trading. Yeah, this is like, I, I, I don't even have any exposure to this. I don't expose myself to any of these bollocks. So, um, apart from when I get, like... You know when you get people who follow you? That have, like, their name, oh, their, their FX. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, that they have shit, FX in their bio. If there was ever a red flag... Right, it's when people have that, you know, that little graph emoji in their bio. Yes. Where it's like stock prices rising. Yeah. It just means yeah. you're a helmet. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no one looks at that and thinks, fucking hell. Yeah. Easy trading. Rented an Audi, Audi R8 yeah. to have a photo shoot with. Um, and that's what they're putting their Instagram with. Jordan Belfort didn't have that emoji in his bio. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we can learn a lot from that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and he misled people anyway. But that's a whole, but whole it, it, the psychology behind it, though, I find fascinating because it, it does tend to attract a certain character of male. Well, it's not attracting females, from what I've seen. It's not attracting it, females, but it's all interesting. The, the caliber of male it's attracting yeah. is subpar. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree. Uh, I'd agree with that, but I, I think it's only it's only spawned because there's this vacuum of. This is what I mean. Structure and purpose for blokes. I think 
I think men, I'm not saying women don't, right, but men need, I think, to be deemed at being good at something. Mm. I think you have to have a discernible skill, otherwise you feel like, you feel emasculated. emasculated. To be fair, I think there is an element of herd mentality going on. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of people jump on the bandwagon because everyone else is doing it. Yeah. But at the same time, I do think that people kind of cling on to it because they, like you said, think, well, they cotton on to the fact that it's all smoke and mirrors. Yeah. And they think, oh, I can be an expert in this. Because <laughs> you only need one lucky, fuck, I don't know, trading. Trading, like Yu Gi Oh's. You only need to get one good that card. Was the last thing I trade. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's, that, that's my reference point, yeah, all yeah. You only need to get, like, blue eyes, white dragon, and you're fucking <laughs> laughing, mate. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and then you can go off to everyone else. How you got blue eyes, white dragon was, was a fine science, and you knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. You could recreate it. And then you sell that system to everyone else and all of a sudden you're... you're Fucking like it's the best, <laughs> genuinely best trading analogy I've ever heard. Yeah, true, <laughs> so true. But I do think it spawns from that thing of, of males need to be deemed as skillful in something mm. or expert in something, in something. I think the reason that's an issue now, and it maybe wasn't, 20, 30, 40 years ago is again linked with social media. Seems like I have a gripe with social media even though I make my money. money off. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> but anyway, I think because originally um, we, <clears throat> we would be in groups of less people, maybe 100, 150 people in a, in a company. Tribe. In a tribe or whenever it was before Instagram and now we're exposed to the entire world. We're exposed to seven billion people or whoever. Yeah. So if you think you're decent at CrossFit, right? But you go on your explore page and all of a sudden you've got the world champion at CrossFit and all these other people who are better than you, it's like, oh fuck, well I thought I was half decent at this, but actually I'm number three thousand in the world and I actually don't feel very good about that. And yeah. I think that that's a metaphor obviously for everything else. But you know, if you 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 think you're earning a decent amount of money, so you think you're earning fifty grand a year, you think that's good to go. And then you go on Instagram and all of a sudden someone's earning fucking Six billion yeah. a year, and it's like, oh shit. Well, is that comparison thing? There's always someone doing better than you. Yeah, but you only know that now because you're exposed to it. Yeah, you live in. Back in the you day. know, ignorance is bliss, yeah. isn't it? Literally. Anyway, we've got a game for us to lighten the mood. Mm. Gone, we've gone quite dark today. We need, we need to bring us back yeah, up. Right, I like games. <laughs> bring us back up to surface level. This game is to exemplify how much of a helmet. Our friend Mr. Tate is. Okay, as we've been speaking about. It's called Tate or Bait. Tate or Bait. I've taken a selection of Andrew Tate quotes and a selection of quotes from popular fictional characters (laughs) from Western popular culture. I've mixed them all up. Okay. It's your job to decide whether it's Tate or Bait. Got it. Let's go. Tate or Bait, quote one. Are you ready? (laughs) Yeah. If you ain't got a Lambo, you're a shit muncher. I'm that's... Tate. It is Tate. <laughs> yes. There you go. Yeah, I mean that's because it was sports car reference. <laughs> yeah, I he, think he, that, he that loves. Sold it. He loves dropping a sports car reference, doesn't sports, he? Put sports car. It, game, it's mate. his. It's his equivalent of sniper game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from episode two. He, 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 um, he's stolen loads of supercars in Romania. Yeah, uh, yeah. and now he's flexing now on he's them. Flexing basically, what, what colours your Bugatti? So that was quote one. Okay. Tate or bait. Quote two, are we ready? Yeah. The problem with TV is, if one presenter is a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, heterosexual man, the other must be a black Muslim lesbian. 
let's go bait. It is bait. It is bait. That could have been easily. It could have been him. Yeah, we were flying close to the from? wind there. You want to know who said that? Yeah. Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> in his Fucking in hell. his newspaper column about thirteen years ago. That's hilarious. The, yeah, As if. Jeremy Clarkson of Clarkson's Farm fame. Yeah, yeah. Doesn't like black lesbian. What was it? Black Muslim lesbians. Hasn't been cancelled yet though. Well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Give it time. Right, okay. Tate or bait? Quote three. Are we ready? Mm-hmm. Two for two so far. Yeah. This is. I'm on a roll. There's six. There's six in total. Okay. This is in. this is for fifty percent. Let's keep going. I was living the life, just banging chicks and eating cabbage. That can't be Tate. That's got to be bait. Surely. It's bait. Yeah, he's he's got cabbage, a mate. See, no chance. His <laughs> algorithms feeding yeah, him Tate constantly. I he know can, exactly what's up. He can now channel his inner Tate. <laughs> Yeah, that was actually Glenn Quagmire from Family Guy. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> not Quite similar. Not sure which episode. If you're a Norse, let me know. Yeah. Right, okay. Similar character. Tate or bait? Quote four. Are you ready? I'm ready. I've loaded up with another suit. <laughs> three for three. If you're a 55 kilo female, I'll pick you up with one hand by your titty. <laughs> <laughs> Make of that what you will. <laughs> That's got to be Tate. It's Tate. It? Yeah. Actually, as if you said that, that's, that's mental. If we just unpack that for a second. Do you know what, like, when that was? I don't know. Can't As really with sure. a lot of Andrew Tate quotes, I think you'd struggle to trace the, to origi- the original source. Yeah. But I'm told it did leave his mouth. Then again, take, take that with a pinch of salt because of a lot of things leave his mouth. Yeah, that's true. I can't believe you said that. That's hilarious. Right, so you're four for four for the moment. But you're going great. Smashing, you're going great, guns. Are we ready for five? I'm ready for five. Five for five. I will not administer CPR unless you're a hot female. If that you're some fat dude and you just had a heart attack, you're gonna die. That's gotta be him as well. It surely. is Tate. Yeah, surely that's Tate. Tate no... there with strong feelings around obesity. Yeah, yeah. Oh, should I know? I'm next. He wasn't released from prison. Though. That's um, mental. He said that. That's mad. Even if you're thinking it, there's that filter, isn't there, between brain I don't and think mouth? He has that. That's the problem. Yeah. No, I think that's the issue. <laughs> down to the issue. one of the many issues yeah, around yeah. Tate. he hasn't got that filter system between what I thought and what I should say you go in great guns okay five, five for five I'm channeling my inner Anton deck now <laughs> game show vibes is he going to go six for six I reckon I'm confident let's go okay when a girl tells you how many guys she slept with multiply it by three and that's the real number that's got to be tight Oh, it? it's no, Bates. Oh. He's got him on the last, the final <laughs> the hurdle. Final corner. Do you want to know who said that? Go for it. Steve Stifler from Steve, American really? Pie. Yeah. I actually don't not agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> it was mental that you thought that Andrew Tate theoretically could have said that. Yeah, it was quite plausible that he could have left his mouth. Yeah, he could. Um, well, it's just like on the on trend with a lot of other stuff that he has said. You know, yeah. Like the... the I don't know. So that's why I threw it in there. A bit, a bit of a curveball at the end. I think five out of six is good to go. That's good. I'm, go. I'm impressed with yeah, that. Yeah, that was good. That was good. <laughs> so there you go. I think that was deeply worrying that men find solace in the words of people like Andrew Tate. Yeah, it is. Given and how ludicrous a lot of the things he says are. Do you think it's because there's not a massively kind of cemented role, good role models for men? Yes, I in, think this in is in modern society. I think that's why he's he's gained such market share. Yes. So I feel like now a lot of people shy away from displaying 
masculine Mas- masculine traits but he's doubled down on it so people flock towards him yeah you know, he's, he's like of... the only market trading in town yeah I can think of a lot of decent male male role models though I think of a similar age as well to him oh yeah 100% but what I'm saying is that they don't shout it from the rooftops that's true it's, yeah. al- it's almost like he said he's a good male role model so much that people now just be- so, well certain people now believe it I think a lot of it is negativity bias you familiar with this Yes. Yeah. So Could explain. This is social media again, where negative comments and negative tweets or whatever it is is going to be pushed in the algorithm far more than positive stuff. So because Andrew Tate is controversial for one, and a lot of what he says is of the negative, is spiraling negatively, isn't it? Yeah. It either attaches to a small minority of blokes, and they're like, absolutely, they re- resonate with this, and they're going to follow him. You know, they're going to watch his content, share his content, all this. If it reaches someone else who maybe doesn't agree with it, it outrages them, completely ostracising them, polarisation. And then they're also going to pick that content up. They're going to watch it how many times because it's it's outraging them. They're going to send it to their friends, put it in the group chat saying, have you seen this? Then clicks, 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 likes, all that sort of stuff. And that's how these kind of people grow because they're polarising. So yeah. a certain minority might like them. A large majority will hate them, but it doesn't really matter because their only goal is to reach large amounts of people. What do you think will happen to Andrew Tate now? I think he's on his way back, you know. Same. I think he's really. back. I think he'll get more, he'll get a platform again and he'll be good to go. I think figures like this actually thrive from the idea that they're fugitives. Yeah, because it, play, it plays into his brand a little it, bit. It, it plays into his brand. It feeds into the narrative that he's kind of anti-establishment. He knows the truth. Mm. It's the same with Donald Trump. Like he's th- he's thriving off this court case at the moment yeah. because it's just confirming everything that he said for the past. God I mean, knows how many years. Completely undermined the official, the, the official, um, like the government in Romania, especially. But like you know, the official route of, of thinking. Don't worry about it because the legal system's going to take care of it. Yeah. Whereas they've taken care of it and now he's out again. So yeah. they've actually undermined themselves, haven't they? Yeah, it's almost like he's one step ahead of everyone else. Yeah. I don't think he is because I think he's that clever. No. But like it just so happens that it's played right into his hands. Yeah. Because this is what he wants. He's got all the publicity he could ever ask for. He's now vindicated, so to speak. From his sins. And he's also a household name now. And he's a household name. My my dad know who he is. Exactly. Like 60. Like, that's insane. Like he's not just now a TikTok sensation. He's also now been on the main news channels and that sort of thing. So his fame, whether it be from whether it be good or bad, has has still skyrocketed. So I think like you were saying with polarization, like a lot of people will now be more repulsed than ever by him. But the people that do buy into what he says will be more loyal than ever. Yeah, exactly. Um, and again, those people who are repulsed will still watch his stuff because it triggers them. 100%. Uh, people like that. Yeah, well, reason. we like that. Yeah, yeah. It triggers yeah. me, but still, what? it's like a car crash. You can't take your eyes yeah, off exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. And that is negativity bias, as, we, yeah. as we've said. So watch this space. Will Andrew Tate return? Yeah. I think by the time this podcast's out, we'll probably have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> probably with the monarch. Yeah, true. <laughs> Knowing Andrew Tate. <laughs> He'll run the show. Uh, right, okay. So we've talked about the consequences of the masculinity crisis, or the ones that we've identified anyway. Yeah. We've talked about the indicators. I think we, we need to put some solutions on the table yeah, for people. just like we did with obesity. Yeah, because it's, it's all well shooting holes in other people's ships. 
Yeah. But if you if you're fucking sailing in a dinghy, I don't know where I'm going with this analogy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're sailing in a dinghy, you're not really one to tour. <laughs> I thought you had that set out. That yeah. Was no. That was, that was, right. was I was fine. riffed. That was fine. Um, yeah, I think we need to set some some clear solutions on the table. Let's have it. So first one. We've we've both got an agreed one, mm. which I think we should get on get out that first. first. That's very on brand okay. for us. And I've got two more okay. left field ones. Uh, and we did a little bit of market research with you guys who follow the Instagram page yesterday. Oh yeah, thanks for reaching out to us by the way. It was really interesting to hear yeah, people's uh, so perspectives on that. It'll still be up now, but last I checked it was a seventy six 24 split yeah um so 76 in favor percent um and 24 not in favor of national service so national service for the able-bodied 18 plus for two years that you right you've set your market stall out i was going to ask you to do that but you've done it anyway i'm okay. glad right yeah. so national service also known as conscription yeah. is like obligatory military service for certain demographics yeah within, within a society, society. yeah and usually, it's, I guess, the purpose of it isn't to, you know, galvanise men. Usually, the, the purpose of it is defence and to, you know, to bolster the ranks of the military. I yeah. think pivot that uh, and let's have it to, to sweep up males who are 18 to 20 years old, just coming out of college, approaching the time when they're going to have to gonna have to grow up or man up if you're allowed to say that still then and and they've actually now got clear structure clear discipline they've got um a community of you know men around them and and men and women around them who are going through the same adversity and that's hugely powerful in those in those years and i think if um i'm not saying it'd answer every question every issue because obviously people people would say well, you know, there'd be the disabled or what if you've got asthma or all these kinds of things, which obviously you'd have to take into account and maybe give those people different jobs or whatever. But what it would do is give younger men structure and discipline, yeah. which is what we need. So a bit of history, we used to have national service. When was it abolished in 1960? Yes, yeah. but then people that deferred for education. So I think it carried on until 1963. Okay. <clears throat> but I think it ran until the late 1940s until the early 60s. So the heat of the Cold War. So I think yeah. initially, well, when it was introduced in the UK, it was pragmatic. Cold War. Yeah. Shrinking army. Let's but we bolster it. We, well, it bolster it with reservists, effectively. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, th- I like what you're saying now. We repurpose it to give men a purpose. Yeah. And females. Yeah. I don't we, think it should just... We have just, a shrinking military. I don't think it should just be for... No, males because no, like, like if you look at and this is the other weird thing as well so national service now seems like a really outdated concept the kind of thing that like a drunk Nigel Farage would say in a pub yeah. to someone but it in even in Europe it's still quite normalised it is quite yeah it's loads of places so it's, there's a spectrum of it so like Scandinavia it's quite rigorous mm. so like you actually have like a military role yeah uh, one of the guys a guy reached out to us actually and told us about his service he said yeah. it was like one of the best things he ever did that's so that's good. So it's obviously they've got more skin in the game in the sense that Finland borders Russia. Yeah, oh yeah. All the high north is, is high it, north. Is so they, they've got anyway. more on their plate geopolitically, mm. but it's still good in the sense that you know when we were talking about education earlier and the, the fact that less lads are going to college. Yeah, this is great. 
you know, feed vocational skills into part of yeah, ministry skills. service. Yeah. So my grandparents, well, both my granddads did national service. Mm. My one granddad was a gunner, nice. I think. He went to Libya. Nice. First time he'd gone abroad. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That wouldn't have happened otherwise. My other granddad became a mechanic. Mm. Vocational skill. Yeah. And now he's probably got... Is he a mechanic? Was he a mechanic? Well, he was, he yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I've got some... Well, Cyprus, Greece, Turkey, all have um, national service. Sweden, Lithu- Lithuania, like you said, Finland, Estonia, Austria. Mm. All of those countries still have national service. So we think of it as like, like you say, an outdated principle, but actually some of the most de- developed countries in Europe still have it. And like you say, it's a spectrum. Like it's it's a spe- yeah, so at the one, the one end of the spectrum, you've got like North Korea, <laughs> where there's kind of shrouded mystery. You join the military at like 17. And you and mate, you're never you seen ma- again. You <laughs> mate, yeah, you're never seen again. You won't leave. You never see like a penny for your troubles. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then at the other end of the spectrum, you've got the Netherlands. So like they still have a legal obligation for national service mm. so like, I think it's 18 yeah. but it's not enforced okay. at all Interesting. so when you're like 17 or 18 you receive a letter from the government saying like it's time to do like your letter for Hogwarts <laughs> yeah <laughs> and like the Dursleys everyone just fucking chins it off really yeah it's not enforced at all that's crazy that's, that's weird. so it's basically just a voluntary Scheme you can It's like a, a little a little shove rather than a push, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's not even a shove. Yeah, it's, like a, it's like a blow on your back. <laughs> Go on, mate. But I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. I, I don't. I wonder why that is in, even in place. Why wouldn't they just have a application scheme like it, we do? It does. See, I'll be honest, right? I'm not just in favour of national service. I wish we had it. Yeah. I think it, it's a great way for you. Basically, you know, people say, "Oh, your twenties are for trying stuff out." It's a great way to try something mental. Mm. And if you don't like it, you just walk away. Yeah, well, it's two years. It's nothing. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. So you, you may as well literally do the most outlandish thing you can. Yeah, and like, also... Join SF. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Give it a go. We, we have no chavs, though. But no, but I, this, is, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is where we go a bit Brexit party. <laughs> I think National Service would fill the vacuum left by all the cuts to youth services. You know that we've experienced yeah, 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 yeah. over the past thirteen years. You know, you get these, you get these, these gammons and these boomers moaning that there are too many kids on the street, yeah. not realizing that the party they vote for has cut all the youth services in the country. So there's no, there's nowhere to for them to for go. Them to go, yeah. Especially if they're from like a, a poor background where they can't really. Yeah, you know, we we were very lucky. We could do, you know, we could join sports teams. We could be, you know, in a, in a community in that respect. Yeah, exactly. A lot of places that isn't an option. Yeah, if you're from like an underprivileged council estate, like parents working multiple jobs, yeah. no, no one's at home. You know, maybe they don't leave you in the home at your own. You're on the streets. Mm. Not a youth centre to go through. You know, it got shut down. Like I think it would benefit people like that and give them, you know, kind of rudderless people. Yeah, it would get it could potentially give, give them a, them a purpose. Yeah. Uh, and those people who, who maybe don't have other options could potentially go and make a career of it, couldn't they? Because they're given that opportunity. This is what I mean. There's almost nothing to lose. Yeah. Because we're not saying that everyone has to go kind of like infantry, hard as nail soldier. No, because it wouldn't suit everyone. You don't even necessarily have to make it military. It could just be any public service. True, yeah. You know, you could be, you could be, you know, you could join the police force, you could join the font fire service yeah join the civil service be yeah, a paramedic you can just help out and be a number yeah be a volunteer yeah yeah um 
but it's that it's that idea that you kind of giving people that that, that teaching the value of public service giving something yeah. ba- giving something back or just of service in general yeah because um, I think that's lost nowadays um, a lot of people are out for themselves you know they're just thinking about individualistic what can I do to to better my own you know trajectory but it gives you that um, kind of team working environment I guess and and to be in a community as well, which is which is massive. But if you look at it from the government perspective as well, it's it's mutually beneficial mm. because they're also then getting, you know, trained reservists. Yeah. So say like once you complete your military, you know, your national service. You're then out, but you're a reservist. You're a reservist that you can be called upon yeah. if necessary, or you can then volunteer to rejoin. Mm. So that's beneficial from that sense as well. Like everyone's a winner. Yeah. Also, physically, linking back to fitness, we you know, You'd have a basic level at 18, which everyone should have at 18 years old, the ability to run a certain amount, the ability to lift your own body weight, the ability, you know, yeah. just basic things that humans at that age should be able to do that now so many people at that age can't do. And if you want to do two years and fuck it off and become whatever, then go for it. But it gives you that foundation because certainly I know, and you, you know this as well, that if you don't invest in your physical attributes when you're kind of in those early days, 18 through 30, really, yeah, you know, if you don't 100%. do anything, if you don't know anything from 18 to 30, and the amount of people we know who are like that, who who are just resting on their laurels almost and not doing anything active to facilitate muscle building or strength yeah. or flexibility, whatever. After 30 comes, you're depreciating. You're depreciating asset. Yeah. So it puts that kind of, attitude into them that we need to maintain physical fitness because how many um milit- uh, marines from my from my experience or people in the military who left at kind of an early age kept up their physical endeavors yeah so I, so I, many i've gone on to achieve amazing things well that's true yeah but i mean that's not even the cap that's not even the requirement here the requirement no. is that they're just basic levels of fitness it's true health is wealth yeah and like if you invest in the early years like you can just effectively maintain it yeah and the maintaining when you're 40, 50, 60 is much easier than it is to just get new... 100%. Get new ability. If you're yeah. trying to build muscle when you're 43 versus when you're 23, you're in trouble. Well, you're fucking pissing in the wind, basically, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, you've got to work so, so hard. And you've got to consider... This is going to tangent a little bit, but you've got to consider you'll have lifestyle impacts, you'll have a kids, you'll have a wife, you know, you'll have a job that's taking up loads and loads of time. When you're 23... You don't have that, but you're choosing just to spend all your time down the pit, down the pub, and not invest into your physical health. But I don't understand why this doesn't get more traction in like the political political landscape. It's not talked about at all. Is it because people still associate it with it being a bit backwards? I think so. I think because it, well, it would be literally going backwards. <laughs> but it's you'd not be re- well, but we've reimagined it, but no, pe- people don't have that creativity, do they? Well, as it's badged as conscription or national service, people would see that and just think, no, because it's from the 1960s. This is why I think we need to rename it public service. Okay. Because yeah. then you Mandatory can still... public service. Because then you can still go down the, mili- the armed forces route, mm. but it, it makes it more accessible to other people as yeah. well. Because, like we were saying, you could just volunteer if you wanted to. You don't. You don't need to go and fight on the front line. No, exactly. I won't want that either because we need skilled people to do that. Exactly. But the other thing I will say, and this is again a little bit of a pseudo scientific tangent. But anyway, see where you land on this. Um, I think a, a large proportion of 
the masculinity crisis is predicated off the fact that testosterone levels are dropping. Yes. By um, by a huge amount, and um, for many many reasons, for kind of what we consume, you know, the diet and that kind of thing. But I think for a massive proportion of our age people, twenty five, whatever, mid twenties, it's because they're not engaging. So natural ways you can write, you can raise your testosterone include lifting weights, getting in the sun, improving your nutrition, hydrating, just, just exercise in general. Yeah, well, well, exactly. But I mean, there's loads of other things yeah. that go with that. But if basically, they, the natural things that humans have kind of evolved to do. Yeah, that we lose o- over now. hundreds of thousands of years. Yeah, exactly. That we've just stopped doing because we it, it's convenient to do so. And so again, if that's introduced in 18, 20 years old and you just maintain it, then you'll have a net higher level of testosterone, which plays into higher energy levels, better recovery, more muscle mass, better libido, all that kind of thing that breeds, you know, a, a masculine man. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I'm trying to think of a drawback. Of <laughs> well, a drawback would be... Service. Are we paying them? That's the drawback, isn't it? We have, you'd have to do really, wouldn't you? I don't Maybe know. Like or you, you could do it voluntarily. You could, but the oh. so when I did my master's degree, it was predominantly made up of me and loads of international students. Mm. One of the girls on my course was Norwegian, mm. and they have national service. I can't remember because I spoke our tutor here off about it. Basically, I can't remember whether she said they get paid for it or not. I think some countries do, some don't. I, I don't, think, but I don't. I, think I don't think you'd need to because you don't get paid for college, do you? And it's in that time in your life from eighteen to twenty. If it was, if it was introduced then and not later, because later on you do need money, but you could pretty much just do it like a college this education. Is, this is, it's all about marketing. We market yeah, it as exactly. an educational opportunity. Yes. This is live brainstorming. This is, <laughs> exactly. This is groundbreaking. Yeah. So I think that's how you'd have to do it, and I think that would inspire less kickback from the woke parts of society, which would be like. You can't make people do things. You can't, you know, people are free. You've got to have people do what they want to do and all this kind of stuff. Which well, no, no, the, trade, the, the trade-off is you give us two years of your life, but we give you qualifications in return. Yeah. So it's like, you're not... Some people, you, some people just want to be able to be able to just choose anything they want to do. All what these, if you want to go travelling? All, all these woke people getting debt to go to university. Yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just playing devil's advocate. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, yeah. I know, um, but like... I think that would be the, that would be the only kickback that I can think of, you know? I think that would be a lot more popular than people think. Because given... I think at the moment, the education system is so academically orientated. Yeah, There's just such a vacuum of vocational skills. Like actual practical life skills. is Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of people shy away from public service work or the armed forces. A, because it has a bad name. Yeah. Wrongfully now. Yeah. Well, rightfully and wrongfully, like the... The Mets in deep at the moment. <laughs> Let's not get on to that. <laughs> True, it's for a different episode. But also because oh, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> the Mets. No, after that. After that. Um, you you were talking about. We were talking about how um people would rebuttal the. Yeah, because it's got a bad name. Oh yeah, that's the one. Ha, got it. <laughs> So I think people have put off public service, particularly the armed forces, because they don't want to sign their life away. True. I think it's quite daunting, yeah, you know, minimum right. minimum sign up time. So if you want to be like, especially if you want to go in as an officer now, so if you want to be like an officer in the RAF, so you have to like commit to like ten years, twelve years service. Probably, yeah, that is meant so much into you. Yeah, yeah. 
two years, try it out. If yeah. you love it, great. Dip your toe in the water. Dip your toe in. Yeah, if you yeah. don't like it, chin it off. Exactly. And then you can then you can go do what you want. But you've got those old school values, quote unquote, instilled into you. Because if again, like we were saying, with the drop in fatherhood rates, if you've got no balance of you know father figure and and mother fig mother figure in your upbringing up until that point, you then get thrust into a community full of people who are then in the same start state. Yeah, uh, and now you're getting put onto you that the values of discipline, of yeah. being punctual to things, of timekeeping, of you know determination, of pushing through when things get difficult. These kind of things that we have just lost now. Like um, Dana Dana White says, and David Goggins obviously plays into his thing. Says says it as well. Like it's so easy to be a savage these days because so many people are weak, and it's so true. Like so many people just fall at the first hurdle. And just don't you know? Don't try anything else. And it's because we haven't got those old school values instilled into us anymore. And because everything's so easy. If you want to just detach and escape your reality, you can. You just go on TikTok, bosh. You're there for two hours, bang, done. Or you turn on Netflix, done. I think also it could potentially quench a lot of people's thirst for adventure and travel. Mm. You know, a lot of people kind of up sticks in like them like early to mid twenties, twenties, and they just go travelling. I think potentially, if they got a bit of travelling under their belt when they were doing national service, yeah, you know, in the same way that my granddad got stationed in Libya for a bit, yeah, they've seen a bit, they've more. seen a bit, they've experienced, they've met people outside, you know, their ordinary life. Like I'm I think say, saying this is someone who travelled really well with the Marines, then left and went travelling <laughs> himself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I agree, I agree. Some people would be the same, uh, especially if you hadn't travelled before before that. Well, this is from someone that's never been travelling. There you go. So, like, neither of us are really, yeah. <laughs> really qualified to talk about it. True. But I think that just could be another aspect as well. Anyway, big advocate of that. Yeah, as you can tell, we spent about half an hour talking about it. But we tuned in. <laughs> right, right, we'll yeah. quick, we'll quickly fire through my kind of left. Let's go for the. Well, they're not left field, but they're just ones that we haven't talked about. Okay. Right. Okay. Through. Holding boys back one academic year. Ooh. Okay. Because they mature slower. Mentally, in particularly in adolescence. Boys mature. That's interesting. Slower than girls. Yeah, they do. This was brought to lot. Well, this was brought to my attention when I read Outliers mm. by Malcolm Gladwell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know when he highlights that statistically, if you're the oldest person in your class, you're more likely to achieve better academically. Yeah, yeah. And also in later life. Yeah. And sports teams is the same, right? Hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, yeah. 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 So this is all kind of predicated on that idea. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I like that. So like, you wouldn't just do it from secondary age. You'd do it. In, from nursery in, age, yeah, so yeah. then it's just kind so of embedded. So they'd still know the same people and all sorts of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Uh, yeah. It's called red shirting in America. Red shirting. Ta- taken from college athletics when a lot of players taken out of competition for a season. Mm, okay, yeah. And they held back and then put in again. It's almost like the back trooping system in the Marines. 100%. Yeah. I'd, see, again, you're not ready yet, so let's pull you back and put you in with people you are ready for. So again, I think probably a lot of stigma around that in the UK it's a lot more common in the US, apparently. Okay. Predominantly middle class. Mm. It's kind of like a middle class thing to do, you know, because yeah, like yeah, people that are, people that have less money can't worry about shit like that. Do yeah. you know what I mean, naturally. It's pro- yeah, it's like, it's a gentrified issue at the moment. Yeah, definitely. Which is, so is the masculine masculinity crisis, yeah. really, isn't it? 100%. It's not rearing its head in work, the working yeah. class environment. It's just think... middle class white people like us mm. with nothing better to do. Yeah. <laughs> nothing, <laughs> better, nothing better to talk about. Tune people's ear off. But I thought I thought that was an interesting one. Hmm. And as a June birthday, I mean, I, I didn't. Well, I did quite well academically. Yeah. But like, 
at times you do feel like a bit lost being yeah. the younger one in the year because yeah, yeah. it's weird isn't everyone it? progresses and you feel like a little bit left behind I guess well I was December so I'm, I'm you're kind of like middle of the pack middle, really yeah. aren't you but it's weird at school because if you're the youngest in the year all through school it's shit because yeah. like, last to have a birthday like, you'd be last to do everything you learn to drive last as yeah, soon as true. you leave school being the youngest is best. That's true. Because suddenly, everyone's turning 25. Yeah. And I've still got six months of being 24. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's kind of shifts, isn't it? It's quite quite strange that, you know, the the winnings of being older are massive in school. You know, you, you, like yeah. you said, you, you kind of advance quicker. You maybe mature physically quicker. Right? Yeah, 100%. So, so you've got two people in the same year. So you, who are essentially 11 months younger than someone else who's born in September but you're in the same year so you're still prying for the same spots on a sports team however you're 12 months less you know um, developed physically than your peer who you're going up against which isn't really fair if you think about how think about the difference between you know when you're in those years and, and 12 months is a massive amount yeah. when we're 25 to 26 there's not much difference right but from like 15 to 16. Like a year 8 and a year difference. 11. Like you know when you come across them on like the school field. Yeah, they feel like they're fucking like, like fucking, John Terry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like an actual bloke. Yeah, exactly. And you're just like this little prepubescent like chipmunk with a squeaky can, voice. And that can be the difference and that can be in the same school year which is quite interesting. So yeah, you're right. I, I agree with that. So that that's one. The next one is around the idea of HEAL jobs which is right. an acronym. Okay. It stands for Health, Education, Administration and Literacy. Mm female dominated at the moment no female dominated but then equally females are now penetrating stem jobs more okay. so you're not science yeah, te- yeah, technology engineering engineering mechanics. i think it's mathematics, mathematics. Or, yeah, yeah. Well, it, anyway. i think it is mathematics you know what we mean yeah stem <laughs> so the idea is now that again we like role reverse mm. and we like because men are so underrepresented uh, underrepresented in places like education mm-hmm. teaching and stuff we can prioritise getting them into more healed jobs because then that feeds back into what we were saying about positive male role models yeah I guess so yeah so like in teaching we've got some stats for you go for it as of 2021 only 15% of teachers at state funded primary schools in the UK were yeah. male okay. 15 15 but that's not a lot is it at all and, it's, and that's not an outlier either that that figure's steady. stayed steady yeah, yeah, for yeah. the past decade or so okay interesting so but, but again weirdly senior positions within primary education males are overrepresented so it's yeah. like they're more likely to rise to the top that's strange which again is deceiving well I think though that so I played devil, devil advocate a little bit go on I have almost a reason not reason but a reasoning for this manifestation right so men are genetically and biologically more prone to like to deal with things mm. uh, and so you know so that becoming an engineer or becoming a uh, whatever uh, whatever it is in the, in the stem field the stem fields are just more no they, they are they're, they're more concentrated men. on things than people yeah that's a, just a truism so when we're choosing jobs and, and, and actually going through our lives and, and going through what, what we're interested in, what we're not interested in, the the, the boys choose their the STEM fields or the STEM style stuff and yeah. girls are more interested in caring for people, are more interested in 
you know, uh, are more interested in generally in people. So people are going to be included in like nursing, you know, you're going to care for people, yeah. care homes, you're going to be caring for people, like teaching, you're going to be essentially nur- nurturing and caring for people. So I think it naturally manifests because in Scandinavia, they've done some work to try and balance this out Go on. and it actually goes the opposite way than what you'd think. Oh, really? So they've done some almost, they've almost integra- integrated some some things where, where you have to hit, meet certain quotas. So there has to be like equal re- representation. And then people go the opposite ways than mm, you would imagine. It's forcing the issue though. It is we forcing don't the want issue that. and you probably would, shouldn't do that. But In, Interestingly though, PT is a heel job. Hmm. So we're feminists. Interesting. There we are. Absolutely. Um, yeah, well, that it's obviously not an exact science. Obviously there are still some female representation in STEM fields and some male in heel jobs. But on the on the whole, in a general sense, there is a majority and a minority in, in those sort of areas. But also this plays into, this is completely unrelated, but this, um, this plays into the gender pay gap because people are like, well, why are women getting paid less than men? Well, if men are dominating STEM fields, STEM fields are much more scalable. If you're working with people, and you yeah. need that one-to-one contact with someone with a nurse. You can't scale being a nurse, right, can you? But if you're making something, then you can 100% scale that and sell it. And I think herein lies the issue of why traditionally men have been less inclined to go towards heel jobs. Mm. Because like you said, you know, traditionally they, they like dealing with things more than people. Yeah, and it's just a biological thing. They've but, done so many tests, to, but, but you can't take that away. It's not like it's a societal push in one direction or another. But also heel jobs pay less. Yeah, 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 exactly. So it's, so it's like they both feed into paradox, each other, isn't it? Also, um, heel jobs are arguably more rewarding and arguably less stressful. I agree. You know, if you're owning a business, owning a tech business, it's a stressful, stressful beast. And not that being a you know nurse isn't a stressful beast, but if you're like a CEO of something, or like we were talking about before with the Fortune 500 companies being owned by men, that's because in order to get to that position, they have to work probably 80 hours a week at the same thing for 10, 12, 15 years, not get sick, so they have to be healthy, they have to be conscientious because they have to be kind of, um, they have to show up every day and be switched on. They have to be healthy and they have to be um the ability to dial into one thing and just sit at it for for 15 years. That's pretty much what they have to do. And I think men are just more predisposed to do that than women. Women Ooh. are just smarter. Going to get cancelled, mate. No, women are just... Can't say that. Women are just smarter, Canceled. mate. Cancelled. I like just... to publicly <laughs> disassociate myself from Harry Shepherd. <laughs> they no, just don't... They just don't necessarily feed into that as much because... Well, most of them are going to have kids at some point. That takes them out of the game at a certain point, doesn't it? Because mm. they're having eight months off, whether it be ethical or not. They're not working for those eight True. months. Again, we're not Nine saying months. everyone wants to have kids. No, but I mean, I mean, I know a lot of women do. Mo- have most kids. most women do. Apparently, actually, it's the first time for I think ever in the last year that now fifty point one percent of thirty plus year old females are childless. Mad. So if you play that out, obviously yeah. that leads into the population crisis, which, which we'll talk about. I was going to say, we might have to, I think we're going to do a separate episode on the population crisis because that is also going to rear, a huge issue going to rear well. its ugly head at some point. Yeah, and a huge topic. But um, 
But yeah, okay, so I've, I've got a few more statistics to throw at you. Go for it. So we've used the example of primary education, but mm-hmm. if you look elsewhere within Heal, yeah. it does also make sense for high representation of men. Right. And okay. I will explain. Go Substance abuse. So like rehabilitation and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, yeah, drug, yeah. drug misuse. So 76% of substance abuse counsellors are women, but 67% of substance abusers are men. Okay. So there's a mismatch there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never gone through counselling or therapy, but I could imagine you through my... Ex- to them. You would relate to a male more. Yeah. Well, you'd, sa- want, you'd want a male figure, someone who you can relate to, to, to go to. Yeah, the, the, I, and again, I'll, I'll go back to the example of education. I don't know about you, but at school, I always related to male teachers more. Well, you see it in PT. You see it in P- in personal training, one hundred percent. Like I would work, I worked in a gym where you had employee trainers, and the client could essentially choose their trainer. And like nine times out of ten, a female would choose a female trainer, and a male would choose a male trainer. Yeah. It's just who you relate to, and who you trust, and who you think's been through the same kind of things as you've been through, and you know, in your life. And you just feel like that's that's how you should manifest. I think a lot of these decisions are almost going on subconsciously in our mind oh, yeah, as well. Definitely. They're not con- they're like, oh he's a male so I'll go with him. It's, it's just like, there's a lot of there's a lot of bias going on in your brain, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. And you want to be you want to connect to that person in that kind of so in that environment like a counselor or in the environment of a personal trainer. You don't want to be judged certainly and you want to be accepted by that person. You want to almost relate to maybe what they've been through. And again if they've had a similar time of it like they've been treated like a male gets treated through school and through whatever then they might have the same issues as you and then they might be able to help you so it's a subconscious thing you write and also in, P- in a PT setting take a female for example they've got a menstrual, menstrual cycle so they'll yeah. maybe know how to deal with it as best they can as, as you know as I have to so it's the same kind of thing and they just look for similarities in the person they're trying to get help from you see right yeah so that's substance abuse yeah Another example, special education now. So still on education, but special special needs education. Mm-hmm. 84% of special education teachers are women, but 64% of pupils being referred to special education are male. So again, there's just That's the imbalance. Yeah. I do anecdotally completely think, though, that females do a better job at that. Ooh. I just think they do. I, I would much rather have, if I was to go down that route, have a nurturing female than maybe a harder line male Ooh, role model would you not getting cancelled <laughs> well, I think it's completely context specific yeah I guess so I guess it is I'm just looking at I mine. think I think male I think males would be far more nurturing to males I think I think sometimes well in my experience female teachers can feel uncomfortable around yeah, boys particularly during so adolescence it depends on the issue I guess it depends on the disability or whatever they're dealing with so um, I guess it is in, it is different, but it's interesting that it's such a high proportion. There must be a reason for the fact that there's only sixteen percent of of teachers are blokes. There must be a reason. That's a huge disparity. I guess the only thing that I can think. Of, I mean, both my parents were teachers. My mum mm. was primary, mm. and my dad was secondary. Yeah. So they kind of fit the stereotype in that yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was a PE teacher as well. Yeah, that fits the stereotype, absolutely. But the only thing that I can think of is that if you were a guy and you were going into the education system, yeah. you would go secondary or higher education. Yeah. Just because there's there's a stigma around 
Like it, it sounds childish, but there is a stigma around male primary teachers. I think yeah, probably is yeah, yeah, and because it's like well, you're like why would you want to teach little kids? Yeah, I think there is a little, and again, it's probably not even vocalized or even mm. in the mainstream. It's probably it's subconscious. Sub- subconscious. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess that's true. Um, but that is a massive dis- distance between male and females. That's that's the biggest one we've come across in statistics. Yeah. Um, between male and females, is eighty. Percent was it? That yeah, eighty-four to yeah. sixty-four. Yeah, so it's we're not. What we're saying here is that we shouldn't kick women out of heel jobs. We no. just want more men to go into them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know it? how you would you would do that. How would you? It'd be government policy, right? It would be so. A few years ago, there was a massive teacher shortage. There still is. So the government were offering like uh, bursaries to train teachers. Okay. Yeah. So you just give them financial incentives yeah, so through it's not scholar- forced, but it's No, it's not for- no you're, you're not saying like you, you and you, yeah, yeah. you're going to be a fucking therapist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not like... Get your fucking white coat. It's not like you've got to meet quotas like they do in some countries, but you've got to, you encourage certain things. Yeah, you, you, oh yeah, you wouldn't, you don't set quotas because then you set a very kind of, it's, t- it's forced then. You're getting into very murky waters. What you would do is you would set up financial incentives like scholarships and yeah. bursaries for like, Provide free training to encourage someone to go into that route. I would think. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you're just looking at encouraging people. And again, because it's not forced, you would hope that only people who are that way inclined would go down that route. Yeah. So someone's been umming and ahhing for ages, but they don't want to fork out to go back to university or to college. Mm. If suddenly like a free bursary became available, you would like to think that they'd be like, "Oh, this is like the well, inse- it just nudges them in." The yeah, direction. this is the incentive I was waiting for. Yeah. Uh, so there we go. There's three solutions yep. to the masculinity crisis. I think we've covered it as comprehensively as we can. Yeah, we've covered a lot there. A lot of ground covered. A lot of ground. Um, Again, got got quite deep. Yeah, but that happens. A few tangents. That happens. These, that's what these, these podcasts are about. A few highs, a yeah. few lows. <laughs> it's been a journey. No tears yet. <laughs> yet. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I think we've covered it fairly well. I think it's, again, not even defined really that well you know online so i think it's a tough topic to cover but i think it's an important one i think men are feeling more and more disillusioned and again like i wanted to i alluded to at the start i think women are as well women are probably feeling feeling the strain just as much i think a big thing that just people can do men um and women i think getting together in small to medium sized groups and doing something that challenges them is a massive massive um, <laughs> massive thing sorry right. I thought you were going to say mate sorry to lower the tone of the conversation separately I mean yeah um, and do something like that's difficult like when you're in the military and you go through adverse times that's when you bond with that's yeah. when blokes anyway bond over these these kind of things they don't, I think women bond over talking about their feelings, talking about emotions, talking about whatever, right? But I think men don't do that, so they need a different they need vehicle a, for yeah. that. So I think they need... They need a common cause to work towards. Yeah. And I think, this is another one I've just thought of, this is fresh off my head. Go so, on, oh, fucking, have we gone off peace? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I think if we had some sort of mandatory martial arts teaching instruction in schools... In like a PE setting, right, if you okay. have jujitsu or whatever BJJ taught in schools, yeah. hear me out. Um, I think that not just for men, but I think because you get 
obviously men are the aggressor typically if you look at you know who attacks who and who who's in a higher higher chance of raping someone or whatever it's men i think the men who do that are men who can't control their sort of aggression aggressive aggressive side okay and i think if at an early age you're taught controlled aggression which is mm. what martial arts is it's aggressive but it's tempered and it's yeah. when the bell goes you go hell for leather when it goes again you stop and you have to stop and i think that teaches such a massive um a massive portion of emotion control because i think a man who can't control his emotions is dangerous because they're going to act on like Impulse. these impulses and, and because men have the ability to be quite imposing figures physically Mm. then it can manifest itself to be dangerous but I think if it's if it's tempered and it's controlled in the early days and obviously it plays into what we're talking about national service with discipline and timing and these kind of things and just opportunities yeah it's just a good opportunity for people to get involved in it's it's multi it's multi beneficial because it's yeah. physical exercise for starters it's opportunity it's community it's discipline it's aggression control so mm. it's all of these things i don't think there's a drawback personally i've, I've just, I, I, haven't, I haven't formulated this idea it's just fine over time it's, but the, the, the drawback is always money yeah it's true you study government for long enough you realize that it always just always follow, links back. Follow, follow the money, the money. follow yeah. the, go back to the treasury and when they say no then rethink your plan but they do it with most other sports in school so in in PE, you go through a bit about rugby then you go through a bit about Football, and you go through a bit about. So they do it with loads of other sports. I know. We, we even do athletics. We took fuck stick with athletics. We touched on this in the last episode, though, didn't we? Basically, the school curriculum, in my opinion, isn't fit for purpose anymore. No, I agree. Yeah. But so and, and this and this is just one example of, of why that. it isn't fit for purpose. Well, it's not even that they're doing something actively that is wrong. It's that they're not including something that I think would be hugely beneficial. And I think the reason I said jujitsu and not kickboxing or something, is because it's not, first of all, it's not an athletic thing. Like if you're like if you're kickboxing and you're just stronger than the other person, you're probably going to beat them. Um, in jiu-jitsu, it's all leverage based and that, that helps. Mm-hmm. It's like mind over matter, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's like guile wins like yeah. um, rather than brawn. And so that helps with it being accessible to everyone. And also there's not the, like if you get into a, a scrap with someone who's a jiu-jitsu pract- practitioner, they're probably going to tie you up in knots, but you're not going to injure yourself. Only if you get on the floor with them, though. Yeah, but I mean, or like a grappler <laughs> in total. Like, yeah, I know. Um, yeah, they'll fold you in half, won't they? Like a yeah, but, origami swan. Yeah, but you're not going to get hurt, is my point. If you get into a yeah, scrap with someone who's only done boxing, their only response is just to whack you in the face, and that is obviously causing damage to their knuckles and your fucking grid. And so, if you're looking at how can you equip people with a safe method to defend themselves I think jiu-jitsu's that's a good one that's a good good ad hoc shout yeah there we go so I thought of that I actually thought of that on my run the other day and then forgot about it and then now it's rekindled itself there you go Um, to be fair I've been thinking about getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah Yeah, just because that's why it um, made me think but again if I had the opportunity to do it at school I would already know if I like it or not. Yeah, exactly. Like you do with other sports. Like, yeah. You know, you don't want to do high jumping. Um, and it, it's weird as well, because at, at fucking secondary, it was at year seven or eight, we had to do movement, oh, yeah. which was basically them just re, like, rebranding, re, dance, rebranding like. dance. Yeah. And it and as you can tell, it went down like a fucking lead balloon. Yeah, it was shite. Like, the, a, load, the only, like, the a only... load of 12, 13-year-old lads who just, all they want to do is play football 
and do <laughs> do do things that lads want to do, and you're having them stand in a hall. But this is this is the whole irony of it, though, wasn't it? It's like the only way they could make it sound appealing to us is we choreographed dances to football songs. <laughs> so I think we did Mess in the middle. Samba de Janeiro or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. And all of the dance, like the the choreography, was all just basically football celebrations. Yeah. It's yeah. So what it's what? Just mad. So what the is the fucking point in Have that? them score a goal and create their own celebration. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, anyway. So there we go. We've got four for you. So we've got national service, uh, getting more men into heel jobs, holding boys back in academic year, yeah. and kind of obligatory martial arts on the school curriculum. Yeah. There you go. Masculinity crisis solved. <laughs> I'm expect- just like that I'm expecting a thank you note in the post Rishi yeah. <laughs> saved you a lot of fucking headache there mate yeah and we're still open for job offers if, if you're if you're offering <laughs> so I've just realised now we've got to do reasons to be cheerful but mm. we didn't actually discuss it prior no, to filming we didn't correct have you got a reason to be cheerful I've got a selfish one I'd go for yours so I haven't thought of anything right okay well no, it's, it, this is selfish I think if something went on yeah. this is selfish for both of us okay. it doesn't necessarily hold any value to the listener that's fine doesn't have to my reason to be cheerful this week is that we're over the hump of marathon training yes I agree so, in fact it is relevant because people might be going through this themselves yeah because the marathon the marathon season I guess is upon us isn't it but, so. but in any form of training I guess it's when you're over the hump of the training yeah when the, the hay's in the barn, as they say, when the, fucking, yeah, yeah. when the work's already done and now you can just enjoy a little bit of recovery before you actually have to perform. That's always a nice feeling. So I was a bit apprehensive. I mean, like we won't chew your ear off about this because we're going to do a separate yeah. post-marathon episode, aren't yeah. we? But like, I was quite apprehensive before that 20-miler because it was the furthest we'd ran. Mm-hmm. We were basically trialling a lot of things out, so all of our fueling. Yeah. All of our kit for the day. At it was pace. it was basically a dress rehearsal, wasn't it? And it basically went completely according to plan. Yeah, it went without a hitch, really. Yeah, which is massively confidence boosting. Um, and now we're only sixteen days out. Yeah. So it's a good job because if it hadn't gone to plan, we'd have no time to rectify it. So that's that's a good one, I think. Yeah, because again, if you're training for either the Manchester Marathon, probably would have been done by the time yeah. this comes out, or it'll be on Sunday. Um, yeah. and then London Marathon if you're training for any of these kind of races that are coming up you are over the build phase which is always the hard bit and now you're into the taper which is always always the great yeah so you can't take your eye off the ball yet because you've still got to get the job done Yeah. but it's just that you know sometimes you've got to sit back and think fucking hell put like a graft in it come a long way yeah, yeah. the warm and fuzzy warm and fuzzy feeling Um, yeah happy with that well that's that's mine anyway bit selfish this week but I agree I concur we'll give something back next week yeah 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 cool alright I haven't got anything else to add nothing else I think we've rounded off masculinity crisis fairly neatly Mm. or as succinctly as we can given that we're massively underqualified and did a week of research <laughs> yeah always a challenge <laughs> another caveat for you there <laughs> like a challenge add that to the list uh, yeah. given that if it's quite a divisive issue would be quite interested to get other people's yeah. takes on it if you've got any anything you disagreed with than what we talked about bang in the comments any sort of thoughts on you know a pertinent point that we made or whatever then uh, yeah bang in the comments it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts also if you've got any suggestions about topics you'd like us to cover then bang them in the comments as well. 
and equally, if you don't want to put them in the comments because you feel like it's quite personal or you just don't want everyone else seeing it, just send us a message. On the Instagram, yeah. Yeah, on the Instagram. Cool. Happy days. Uh, that's us. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in next week's episode. See you in a bit. Thank <laughs> you.